0: Welcome to You're Not That Special. My name is Emily. And I'm Sarah. We're two Enneagram 4 INFJs here to talk with you about mental health, eating disorder recovery, and the challenges that we all face.
1: Today we had the incredible opportunity of hearing from Tasha, who's been sharing her story of recovery for 10 years. She competes in pageants and has been doing so since she was 13. She has an awesome platform called Imperfectly Perfect, which I think, and she will share with us, goes (laughs) very well with You're Not That Special. Um, Really appreciated hearing her message of self-love and how she has found fulfillment in her life. And I can't wait for you guys to hear from her. And you might just hear her two fur babies, Rizzo and Piper in the background, (laughs) um, which I especially appreciated. Um, And how people like her husband, Nick, have been ambassadors for her in her own recovery journey.
0: I think that her message about having those ambassadors in your life, which you'll hear more about what that means to her, was really... It made me think a lot Mm -hmm. and just, it was really um, insightful and I just, I loved getting to chat with her and so I really hope that you guys enjoy our conversation and we will just get right into it.
1: Thank you so much for uh, joining us, Tasha. It's really great to have you and just to virtually be able to see you again um, after so long through the COVID time.
2: Yes, you as well. Thank you so much, Emily and Sarah for yeah. having me on. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. How uh, is just kind of like an intro? How would you answer like who you are? Yeah, I
2: I, as someone that competes in pageants, this is a very common question I get asked. Um, So I do have a couple of things that I always like to touch on. Um, You know, my full-time job by trade, I'm a recruiter. Um, I very quickly realized it's the space that I love. It's the space I want to be in. Um, I get to help people find their dream job um, and the thing that they were meant to do, which it's fun. And even if I don't get a job, I get a learn about people which is why I love what I do um I'm married with two dogs uh Rizzo and Piper they are my proudest joys um they are like my children truly honestly I treat them like they're my children and I know you can (laughs) respect that yes absolutely
0: yes
2: (laughs) um but you know really for me some of my biggest parts of my life is I I do compete in pageants um I have for 16 years I calculated it actually last week it's been 16 years which is really crazy but for me pageants is not for even the crowns and the makeup and the hair and that's all great and fun and I enjoy it don't get me wrong everyone anyone would but for me it's the the platform aspect of things it's that I get to share my heart and my story um a lot of people don't know with pageants we have what we call platform which is essentially the core thing that is important to you what you're going to go out and speak about what you're going to you know be volunteering, giving money mm-hmm. to whatever it may be for your you specifically as an individual. Um, and for me, I created a platform called Imperfectly Perfect, um, which focuses on teaching all areas of health for each individual person. Um, because what I think a lot of us don't realize is health is very different for each person. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, you've been a big part of actually teaching me this. I've, you know, been following you for years and I've got to read a lot of the things you post and the things you talk about. And it was, you know, helped me realize health does look different on each individual. And so I'm not i I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be an expert for me. It's, I want to be a. Uh, A resource for people. I want to get them in front of the experts they need, um, whether it be a mental health expert or, you know, a recovery coach, whatever it may be for that individual person, I want to be a resource for them. And that's why I try to stay connected with people like you so that I can be that resource for people. But also a lot of it is just telling my own personal story. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a background of speaking on my own experience with eating disorders and my mental health and all of that and how I want to teach people that, each individual person is imperfectly perfect. We're never going to be exactly perfect. We we want to be imperfectly perfect, and that's right. what's so special about being humans is we have imperfections, and that's what makes us perfect. Because if we were all the same,
1: the world would be a very, very, very boring place. A very boring yeah, place. No
0: yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I love that platform. I think. um, I mean, it encompasses so much of what I mean. As we've worked, you know, in nonprofit together of just what we hope for the world to absorb and recognize that that's the beauty of us as individuals. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And yeah, you're, and I love, I love the name. You're not that special because I think it kind of plays into imperfectly perfect. And that's why yeah. when you Send it to me. I was like, I love that title because I, it talks a lot about what I'm, I'm saying in its own way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. you're not that special. You're imperfectly perfect. And that's great. <laughs> like that's what <laughs> I right. should be. And we should yeah. not strive for perfection or to be like that exact, you know, person that we all look for, we should just strive to be ourselves and they're going to be imperfections and things like that, but that's okay. That's what makes the world fun.
0: Yeah. 100%. yeah. Wow. Well, since you brought up the, you're not that special, do you, yes. and you've, you know, shared a little bit that you have your own like personal experience with like mental health and eating disorder recovery. What are some of the one or a couple, like you're not that special moments that you've had in your journey and your process?
2: Yeah, I think the one that comes to mind the most is um, when I was competing in college um, was the first time I publicly talked about my eating disorder and I wrote a blog. Very bad blog. I've read it again. Um, my grammar was really bad. It was not good. <laughs> but I was like twenty-one years old and didn't Black know what I was doing.
1: Were in. Yeah, they were cool
2: then. I read yeah. it back. And I'm like, oh, this is great. I love that I shared my story of my heart. But whoa, this is not great. Job. <laughs> but um, I I posted it, and it was really just about my experience and my story of, you know, at thirteen, you know, being the first time that my parents realized what was going on and got me the help that I needed and my struggle from there and the coaches that were a part of my life because my not, I worked with dietitians and doctors and things, but truly like the coach and it was a coach, but just a different kind of coach that helped me a lot was a um, cross country coach. Um, and they were my teacher as well. Um, and I joined cross country and they, I said this recently, I really should reach out to them. They are a couple, um, and I really should tell them the impact they made on my life, but I've never have. And I probably should to this day, but, um, because they were both my teachers and they yeah. knew I was struggling with eating disorder every day, I'd go into their classes and they both had mini fridges and they'd ask me, have you eaten today? And they'd be like, well, you're not going to go run five miles today if you haven't eaten. And I yep. don't know if they knew the impact that they made in those moments. Um, and like how it helps me through that and helped to have that resource and those people mm-hmm. that knew what I was going through and also were there to support me every single day in school when my parents weren't there. And so I posted this blog and I had so many, I was in a story, um, I wasn't, you know, in a story at the time and how many girls reached out to me and were like, thank you for saying this because I've never told anyone about my experience in high school yeah. or in junior high. And I was just like, wow, I did not realize that this many people were impacted. About it. I mean, when you read the statistics I and mean, you hear right. about mm-hmm. it, but it was a moment where I was like, okay, I'm not. <laughs> special, yeah, yeah. I'm not the only one who's experiencing this, um, right. and that's actually where my platform came from. Is I think a lot of us with mental health, and eating disorders, and things like that, we we like to think that we're the only ones experiencing it. Um, not that it's because we think it makes us special. It's just when you get in those holes and those places, it's hard to realize that the rest of the world's out there,
0: right? Mm-hmm. And
2: when you then have people out there telling your story and telling their own stories, then it's where you're like wow. Okay. I'm not the only one experienced in this. I'm not that special. I can get help because this person talked about it. And this, I heard this mm-hmm. person and this person got the help they needed. And truly, as I said, you're to a long time platform because it is exactly what it is about. It's about telling people that a lot of people are experiencing this stuff and you aren't that special in the fact that you need to go get the help because other people have done it and they've been on the drain right.
1: too as well. Um, mm-hmm. And you can get help when you ask for it. A hundred percent. Yeah one thing, and we'll definitely, uh, share your social media, um, on our platform as well when we post this episode, but I, what I appreciate about your social media is how you utilize the day-to-day experience and relate of that. We aren't that special. There's a lot of us going through the day-to-day struggles and, um, you know, having a lot of anxiety or getting in a depression funk, like, and we don't have to be in that alone, but, I really appreciate, too, how you talk about um, how you get out of those experiences or what you're doing to challenge yourself in that.
2: Yeah, because that's a big part of it. Um, Because, I mean, the world's a hard place. The world has been a very hard place for two years, but it's a Mm -hmm. hard place outside of the COVID pandemic and everything else. And I think the isolation in the last two years has made it even easier. And that's where I really leaned on social media because I realized I was one of them. I was sitting in front of my TV all day long and I was on social media. Those were the two things I was doing. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I was like, you know, this is a space where I can be reaching people because I'm sure everyone's doing the same thing. I am binging (laughs) Tiger King and Bridgerton (laughs) and and (laughs) then scrolling social media. (laughs) And and i why not be posting some positive and some how I'm getting through the day? Because I know that other people are probably struggling just the same as
0: I am. Yeah. And even those like little things out that people can share. Cause I've like really watched other people share those kind of things too. And like seeing just like little ideas of how we can combat those things from like sneaking in, like I don't know if you've seen, I think you have, but the like reels right now of like taking the stupid little walk for my oh, stupid yes. mental health and like, <laughs> yes. stuff. but just those little, those little ideas and tips and like things that people are doing to get through the day and like seeing people share those and seeing, okay, yeah, I've been feeling a similar way. Like and i'm not the only one feeling that clearly so there's things i can do there's things that other people are doing that i can look to and see and see that those make a difference and yeah i just think that that is huge and can really and have it, a might, strong I mean, it impact. might be
1: something that like takes one minute uh-huh like yeah. you know washing your face or 5 minutes of literally take your dog around the block or something but can have an incredible impact on the day of just helping you reset or get moving and readjust for your day.
2: Yeah, no, I'm my thing during COVID. I think my biggest thing that I I take epsom salt baths, especially when I'm really anxious lifesaver I take so many baths now never did it pre-covid <laughs> Epsom salt baths um I have this weird obsession with Epsom salt too and they come out with all these fun different things and I don't know flavors is not the right word but I'm totally them, and I'm
0: like yes.
1: them thank you <laughs> <laughs> I just saw them away. at the <laughs> store uh, well I think when we were at Walmart yesterday oh um, um, they have so yeah, much different like, kinds I didn't know that
2: um, yeah. yeah oh, oh yeah So my recent obsession <laughs> <laughs> highly recommend Epsom salt bath, go find some fun, different scents and things. They're
1: great. Lightsabers. Yeah. When you um, think about like, you know, who you are as, you know, that kind of that intro of who you are and those, you're not that special moment. How, I mean, I feel like you've already kind of spoke to this, but what would you say is kind of the main point of how those influence your day-to-day life?
2: Yeah, I, I think, I think specifically to my lowest and darkest moments and I use them to remind myself that I'm not alone in this moment Mm -hmm. and there are other people out there that are experiencing what I'm experiencing or can help me through it have experienced it and can talk me through it um I am someone that I've tried to connect myself with those people both professionals as I've said but also just people that have gone through similar experiences and are on the other side, or, you know, recovery, in my opinion, is it's a lifelong thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Mental health is a lifelong struggle eating disorders, you're always going to be in recovery, things can trigger at any point Mm -hmm. in time, I don't care how old you are. And I think that's why we need to be very conscious of it. Um, And so we need to remember that as well. And so I've, purposely surround myself with people that can relate, um, to an extent of being like, Hey, remember when I was at this point, you were there for me. I'm going to be here for you too. Um, because I, you helped me through that point. Um, and so I purposely try to surround myself with those people that can help me through those, those points because they can relate to an extent. Um, they've been there, they've experienced it because I also get to be that for them too. Yeah. And that's, what's nice as well Is sometimes in those moments, you just need a reminder of it's mm-hmm. okay. Um, mm-hmm. and you're going to, and, you know, also some people are usually people that know when, you know, Hey, we really need to get a professional involved too. And I think that's, what's really important as well, um, is to have those people that understand when a professional needs to be involved. Um, I think we all know how to at extent manage things like that, but you need someone. And I was called an ambassador in your life that is there to say, you need to get professional help. Um, yeah. Any that. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a husband and a very close friend that are both been that for me um, and kind of can gauge it and know when maybe someone else needs to get involved. Um, and I know not a lot of people have that um, in their lives. And that's really one of the things I talk about is finding ways to surround yourself with people like that, mm-hmm. who no one understand and can be there to say, Hey, I think a professional needs to get involved yeah. um, because that's what misses. Even for me, I'm a mental health advocate. And I've missed it before and had yeah. to get a professional involved very quickly because of point I got myself to and Mm -hmm. I've been advocating for mental health and things in this area for I don't know 12 years at this point in time and recently not that long ago I had a very low moment where I had to have professionals involved and I could have would have told you at the
1: time I thought I was taking care of myself and I absolutely was not Yeah. yeah I love the word that you use of like having an ambassador of somebody that's going to be there to advocate for you and and hold you accountable like yeah I think that's important too, that we're recognizing we need that accountability and support so that we're following through with getting that additional help when it's warranted. Exactly. And that's the thing. And it does need to be someone that you know
2: knows you pretty well, because mm-hmm. a lot of times with mental health, eating disorders, it's easy to hide. And that's yeah. the, the scary thing about both of them is they're very easy to hide. And unless you have that person in your life that knows triggers knows the things to watch out for, mm-hmm. they can go lost upon other people because mm-hmm. a lot of us are really good at hiding it, unfortunately. Um, and that's, that's the hard part. And so that's why I, you know, I talk about it's a close friend or a family member or a significant other that is going to be able to pay attention and see those small things that most other people would not catch on to.
0: Right. Yeah. And having those people who have seen you through those times before that it's like i can recognize that this is happening again and i saw you come out of it and Uh i saw you use these skills and these resources to come out of it you know knowing that those are things that have been helpful in the past and have someone to kind of encourage you to do those things again i think yeah that's that's huge and i mean we've talked about that before of like having those kind of few close people who really are there in those moments and how important that is. So yeah. I yeah. Think that's they're really important. really
2: important. And I always tell people to like, in those moments too, with those, as I call, I call them ambassadors, yeah. have them have the resources and the names of the people that you need. Um, you know, whether it's a doctor or a therapist or a recovery coach or, you know, the emergency number for, you know, maybe a mental yep. health facility, whatever it is mm-hmm. for you individually that, you know, you're going to need have them have those contacts so that mm-hmm. in those moments, cause it's going to be stressful for them too. And scary for them too. And so if they have those people easily contactable then it's going to be less stressful because they're going to be worried about you um when you're at that point they're going to be scared too um and yes they're you know you should be someone that's going to be there for you and support you through it but you have to also remember they're going to be scared and so if those resources are easily accessible to them yeah they can get you the help that they need very quickly um, and you know it'll help just ease the entire process for them
1: On that note, I mean, I'm thinking as a clinician, I'm like, logistically, and like, I've had to use this before, just in my own personal story of like, make sure that you have the release of information so that your therapist has permission to talk to those ambassador people in your life. Um, Because, I mean, then, I mean, logistically, it just helps out as far as (laughs) some of that communication, but And doing that proactively, doing that when things aren't in a crisis situation is so important so that things can flow much better when resources are needed, help is needed. Yeah, no,
2: I'm glad you said that. Cause I'm going to add that. I don't know if that's a piece I've ever talked about, but thank you. This is why I surround myself with a professionals because I've never <laughs> thought about that, that side of things too, that I'm sure that, you know, people then end up having to deal with, but I'm going to now start reminding people of that aspect too. So thank you, Emily. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That. That's an important part of it too.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it just helps streamline the whole process a little <laughs> yeah. bit and Yeah, I think just make sure too that, you know, as a clinician, you want to make sure that you're not crossing any boundaries, but like, I mean, I've had clients, friends reach out when there's a crisis situation and it's hard because yeah, you want to engage with them and like try to help walk them through the situation. But at the same time, you have to respect your client's privacy. And so, yep. I mean, obviously they got your contact information somehow from the client, but um, that doesn't uh, give them or you permission to engage with them. So, yeah. No, it's true. And I, I mean, I personally with my therapist. I,
2: I tell, I've told her like, these are like, here's my mom, my husband, and then my best friend. And like, these are people that like, I'm a like, I'm okay with, this is the relationship I have with them. They're part of this process for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's important too, to remind people of that. There may be a a release form that I've never thought about because I'm not (laughs) a professional. So I'll start reminding people of that aspect too. Because (laughs) I'm, again, not the professionals. So when think of the liability release forms, that would go into that too. Yeah,
1: No, I think, yeah, it's just a great way of being proactive so that when those moments pop up, Cause they yeah. are gonna, I mean, we're gonna need support at one time or the other. So
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah. we can be prepared for those. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you've talked about a lot of things that I'm really like impressed by, but I'm kind of curious, like what are some of the like proudest moments you've had in your, I mean, whether that's with the work you do with Imperfectly Perfect or your own personal recovery journey. Um, what are some of those that stand out for you? Yeah, so I have two. Um, one of them is very specific to my recovery
2: journey with food, uh, because that's been a big thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. Pageants, as you can imagine, we walk on stage in swimsuits., um, yeah. that is a part of pageants, and you're being judged by people. and it's not always easy. And I have had my own struggles with eating disorders related to pageants. and it's something that I've, you know been asked about even in interviews or talking to people like, as someone who's recovered from an eating disorder, how do you compete in pageants? And, you know, is it healthy for you to compete in pageants? And it's something I've even had to like go through and ask myself personally, like, Mm -hmm. is this good for me and where I'm at in my process? And I would say there probably have been times where the answer probably should have been no, and I probably shouldn't have competed, um, but still chose to. But knowing today where I am with food, I was telling, um, I work with an amazing person who has helped me get in shape. She's more of a personal trainer. Um, And, but she's someone, she was a a nurse. She was Marianne for a long time. Um, And I told her through the process, I have been quote unquote smaller. I'm going to say going into a pageant before in my life, but I've never felt so comfortable and confident in the body that I'm in today. And it was just the most amazing feeling walking in and knowing like, Oh my gosh, I could have, I've been in a smaller dress size, but guess what? This is the body I'm most proud of walking on the stage. And you know what? I had a burger last week and fries and I don't think (laughs) I've ever eaten a burger and fries the week before a pageant in my life, but I did because guess what my body was craving it and my body needed it. And I said, what the heck let's do it. And I love the body and the place that I'm in today, no matter anything. And that's probably just a realization I've had that I'm very proud of. And it's, taken me a lot of years to get to that point with, with food and being able to just understand my, my relationship with food and how Mm I, it plays into my life. And I think the moment I had the realization was I was like thinking in my life, like what point in time is food not going to affect my life when I'm 80 and that's not okay. Like why not just enjoy food? Mm -hmm. Um, why not? I just, I eat because I enjoy it. Not because it's a hard thing for me to do, or I'm counting my macros or counting my calories or counting this or counting that. Why don't I just get to enjoy the food. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just a proud moment to realize that's where I'm at today. I I put food in my body because I want it because I'm, you know, I like to put good foods in my body that Mm -hmm. I mean, I enjoy and that are going to fuel me because I love to work out, but I'm not thinking about every moment, like, oh my gosh, should you hit your macros or yeah. how many calories are in this? I don't have to think about that. And it's amazing. Um, and it's just good. It's a good feeling to be at that point. And I'm 29 years old. It took me a long time to get there. Yep. Um, but, and I know again, it's, every, it's an everyday thing. Um, you know, I could change my mindset, could change. And so it's just celebrating this moment and remembering how this mm-hmm. feels to remind myself if I ever get back to that point of, of what this feels like and what, how the release and the relief it feels to just not be spelt making food feel like it's I guess restricting me and restricting my life and restricting the things I do and the people I hang out with and going out to eat with friends or going out to do this. And I don't feel restricted anymore. I feel like I can Mm -hmm. do all those things. And so reminding myself of that. Um, The other big thing I think I'm most proud of is um as Emily said I post a lot on social media. I talk a lot about my story and where I'm at. And I had a friend reach out and tell me about her college-age sister who was really struggling um with her mental health and you know things like that um and I got to and she asked me to reach out and I said you know I'm not a professional Um, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to help Tried to get her help um but i'm not going i can't do anything else that's just mm-hmm. not who i am mm-hmm. um and so i got on the phone we immediately bonded over our love for dogs um and we talked about dogs for like 30 minutes yeah <laughs> how amazing <laughs> dogs are and then um i helped her navigate finding a therapist because honestly it's scary Um, and we went through the process of what resources do I use? How did I find a therapist? Um, Mm -hmm. reading their bios, reading the things you can relate to. And we scheduled her first appointment, um, during, on that call. And it was just really amazing to, to be a part of that. Um, and then I, you know, told her that she needed to chat with her sister and her family and, you know, make sure that they were holding her accountable. I'm not a professional. I can't do anything farther than getting you the resources in your hands, helping you navigate that. And then, you know, the rest of this is up to you and your family. I will be here to talk to you, but like, that's as far as I can go for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a really amazing experience just being a part of that um, and knowing where she is today too, um, is just really, really cool to be a part of that um, and be able to be that resource and know that people trust me enough to to Mm -hmm. be a resource. Um, And I've done training and I've done things to know like where my spaces can be and what I can do as a non-professional um because I think that's important too because I do get reached out a lot so um, it's always been important for me to have the classes to have the understanding where my space is as just a resource and where you know the professionals come in and so um it was one of the first times it was probably about a year and a half ago it was one of the first times that I truly got to use that skill and that learning yeah. to be that resource for that person and I've done it now in the past but I have that very distinct memory of that first person and now talking to her and knowing her today and seeing where she's at, um, it was just cool to know that I was trusted enough to reach out. I helped her um, find that connection and the therapist she still actually talks to today, which is really awesome. phenomenal. And I'm excited that she built that relationship and I can help her navigate that because it's
1: really, really scary process. Yeah. Um, and I will fully admit to it because it is scary. Yeah. I mean, there's so many professionals out there. Like, how do you know that you're going to get the right one? Mm-hmm. And Oftentimes we don't get the right one. Like sometimes it can be a process of meeting with, you know, five to 10 different professionals before we feel like we found the one that we click with, Um, which again, I think it's why it's so important to be proactive in some of these things of like going through some of that when we're not in a crisis situation. Mm -hmm. Obviously we can't always do that, but when we are able to, that can be so helpful to know that you've already done the research. You know that this is somebody that you can click with and that you trust to be able to navigate the more challenging situations with.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that and that's what I think is important. And that's why I tell people too, like your first therapist doesn't have to be, or your first you know, recovery coach you in that case, or first whatever doesn't have to be the person you use. And right. There's a lot of us that have gone through these, talked to these professionals who know that we didn't, the first person we talked to didn't work out or, right. you know, whatever it may be, because it is, it's a very important trust that you mm-hmm. need to have with that person. And it also needs to be someone you feel like you have a connection with too. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can read bios and um I, you can feel like you might connect with them and it doesn't always mean you're going to. Um, and you gotta have to find someone that, that that connects with so you can trust them because they're a big part of your recovery um, mm-hmm. and a big part of getting you to the, the space you wanna be. And so they need to be someone you trust and can lead on.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think, yeah, trust, vulnerability, And like, who can you show up authentically with? Because these are going to be the people that see you, hopefully, like (laughs) at your rawest, like see the like core essence of who you are in humanity and get to navigate that with you. Yeah, exactly. What, um, like, is there kind of a primary message that you feel like you would want people to know um, in our community of like, what would you want to share with our community. Yeah,
2: no, I, I think the biggest thing I love to share with people is that this process, um, wherever you're at in life, um, it's a constant process of working through that. It's a constant life is a journey. Um, as cliche as that sounds, it is a journey. And it's so important that, as I said, you have those people in your life your ambassadors those people that you're going to they're going to be there for you through the the toughest and the best moments as well and ensuring that those people know you and know mm-hmm. what you need in those moments because that is what the last probably 5 6 years has taught me um is that having those people in my life and having them pinpoint and having that honest conversation with them of like hey you're an important part of of my recovery you're an important part of my life. And I need you to be there and be a part of my lowest moments and my best moments too. And these are the, these are the resources I'm going to need from you. These are the professionals that I'm going to potentially need from you. I want you to be able to call me out. I want you to be able to say, Hey, I'm worried about you because in those moments, you're going to not want to hear it. um, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately, you're not going to want to hear it. Um, but you need to set that level set with them and have that trust with them because, if you're anything like me, there's a chance that you're very stubborn and hard-headed and (laughs) um, (laughs) and telling people no, um, and that you want to do it your way is probably something they're used to hearing from you. Um, but you need to have them know that there is a point where they need to get involved and they need to get you the help you need. And they need to level set and say, Hey, I don't care what you're going to say. Like we need to get you the help. And that's so important to have that conversation, as you said, in a, moment that you're not in crisis right and having those conversations pre-crisis is what's so important for people in recovery and the other big thing I I always like to hit on is as I've said at the beginning health looks different for every person and that's what you have to remember we love social media we love to see all the people's perfect lives on social mm-hmm. media and we have to remember that life isn't perfect no one is perfect and you know when we're focusing on our health which as we all should in different ways um that it's going to look different for you. than it's going to look for the person next to you and you know, your best friend and your significant other and your family. And so you need to find a way to take care of your health, mental, physical, emotional health, Mm -hmm. and what, how that works for you in a healthy manner. And you need to work through that. And honestly, sometimes it takes a long time to get to the point of understanding what that health looks like for you. And that's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a journey. It's a journey of finding what health looks like for you. And so continue to work on finding what does health look like for you? What is, what is a physical activity you enjoy? Guess Uh what? If it's just going on a walk for 30 minutes a day, that's awesome. You don't need to go to the gym for two hours, right? Because if you don't enjoy it, why are you doing it? Or, you know, when it comes to (laughs) mental health, like, what are the things that help with your mental health? For me, as I said, Epsom salt baths all day long. My husband thinks I'm crazy. So obviously that's <laughs> not a space for his mental health. <laughs> uh, it's not going to help his mental health. Um, and so finding what works for you as an individual and in your health and what is going to take care of your health for you and accepting that it's okay. It doesn't look the same as the person next to you, but you're mm-hmm. still taking care of your health and that's all that matters.
0: Yeah. I Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I love that message because that's something that in my journey, like it took a long time to come to realize that, you know, thinking of comparing with my friends or family members mm-hmm. and thinking, okay, if this is what works for them and this is what their healthy looks like and seems like, then that's what it should be for me, should be. And realizing, yeah, that it's so different and individualized and mm-hmm. kind of taking that on as a little bit of, an adventure, kind of, to, like, yep. realize and yeah, discover, sure. like, what works for me, what is right for me, and so I think that's such an important message to spread, and I, I love that. Yeah, I love you
2: call it an adventure, too, because it should be fun, like, <laughs> yeah, it, it should be, and there should be points that it's enjoyable of finding, like, when you find the thing that you enjoy that takes care of your mental health, you should really enjoy it, so it should yeah. be a fun process to find it, as well as, like, physical activity as I said like you should find a thing that you really love and it should be exciting when you're like oh my gosh I found the thing that I love to do that keeps me active in some way shape or form and you know if it's a 30-minute walk with your dog you should be like yeah this is like so exciting you should be just Mm -hmm. as excited as your dog is
1: for the 30-minute walk (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah I uh, recently um there was a jump rope at the gym and I was like huh like I haven't jump roped in years." Like. And it was fun. Like I couldn't See? do it very well. I was like, I don't know, 30 seconds. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, like I can keep trying. Um, it was just, it was interesting to do something completely different because when I think about going to the gym, I don't think about jump roping.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. but that's fun. That's cool.
2: <laughs> See, and that's, I love those stories of like, oh, I did something outside of my normal life yeah. mental, physical, whatever, emotional health. And it was so fun to do. And that means <laughs> you found something you enjoy. Um, And the other thing too, I, I remind people is you can enjoy it for six months, a year, two right. years, and maybe that changes too. Mm-hmm, and that's yeah. also okay. Um, I've, For me, I think of always like my physical activity. What I've done for physical activity that I've loved and enjoyed has changed multiple times in the last Uh couple of years. Um, and that's okay too. Like I love this little activity. I'm very active and I've always enjoyed being active, but it's gone from orange theory to uh, my Peloton to just going to the gym, to going to a CrossFit gym to I've done Many different things, and I Mm -hmm. do it until I don't enjoy it anymore. Until it it feels like I'm forcing myself to do it, and then, like, hey, guess what? I got to change this up. Um, This isn't working for me anymore today. I don't feel the joy around it anymore. It feels like a task now, and that means I probably need to go find something new. what well, and that's that why like? there's
1: like millions of options mm-hmm. to do for physical activity. Like <laughs> exactly. that's the amazing thing about it, just like food, there's so many different options um, that we can choose, which I think is great because we need that diversity and we're always evolving. Like, I mean, hopefully we're, our journey is constantly evolving and we are going to enjoy different things at different points. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. What has been like one of the hardest realizations for you in your journey? Hardest realizations.
2: Um, you know, I think for me, the hardest realization has been, I think probably truly that it's a journey. Um, Mm -hmm. I think when I got to the point of accepting that there was no quick fix, that was, Mm -hmm. that was a hard, I'm, it's, I'm happy today that I know it, but I think in that moment, it was hard for me to realize that for me with my, you know, eating and my relationship with food and with my mental health, it was, it's a constant thing. It's not going to just end. And I'm someone that likes things to be wrapped up in a pretty bow. Um, yeah. <laughs> asked my husband and he'd let, and I'm like someone, I just needed to like have this pretty bow to end it with. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> realizing that, it wasn't going to be wrapped up in a pretty bow was a very hard realization for me, but also I'm happy that I realized it. And I'm happy that I'm in the space of accepting and knowing and okay with it today, but in the moment, and I think it was when I, you know, had my mental health got really out of control and some of my habits, um, around my previous eating disorder came back in college. Um, and that, that was something I'd struggled with at 13 and I was 21 and I was like, wait, I thought I'd, I'd fixed, quote unquote, mm. this. Yeah. Fixed mm-hmm. it. And it's back again. Um, why? Why? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What, what was I doing? Why wasn't I? And then I just, I went spiral a little bit in that realization. And then I, I had a recovery coach. They uh, essentially was their role in my life. And, um, that was what they said to me is, you know, this is going to be a journey for the rest of your life and you need to, you need to get to the point of, you know, kind of accepting that and coming to that realization. I don't expect you to come to that today and accept it today, but Mm -hmm. it needs to be something you're spending some time working through and understanding. Mm -hmm. And I did, I worked through it with a therapist. I talked about it a lot. And, um, when I got to the point of saying, okay, I understand that this is not just a quick for me, there, there's no yeah. quick fix, there's no ending to this. This is something that is a part of my life. That's where I I've honestly kind of found fulfillment of saying, Okay, that's okay, and I'm this is a journey, and I'm going to make the best of this journey. And I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to enjoy this, but, you know, make sure that, as I said, I connected with the professionals and I have those Uh people that I continue to stay in contact with that. If something ever happens, they can be there for me again. Uh Um, and I think it was probably one of the healthiest realizations I've ever had. Um, because, you know, it means that in those, best moments and when I'm at my healthiest mentally, physically, emotionally, I can celebrate that and know that I'm very proud of myself, but also be aware that I still have to be doing my gut checks, making mm-hmm. sure right. that I'm not falling into bad patterns. I'm not doing things that I shouldn't be doing. And so I think that's where we have to realize too a lot um, is because if we get to that point of you know recovery and in a great place, if we're not re- remembering that it's a journey. And that it can be hard because then we cannot mm-hmm. gut check ourselves and not see the patterns that we may be falling back into again.
0: Yeah. It's easy to kind of, if you see it as like, okay, everything's wrapped up over here. It's all taken care of. Everything's good. It's easy to just get kind of complacent right. and not realize yeah. when something is like popping back up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's, yeah, it's never over.
1: Like. I mean, and you can have the conversation about being recovered versus being in recovery. You know, I think everybody has a different opinion on that, which is fine. But like, we always have to deal with food. It's not something that we can take out of our life. We're always going to have emotions and our mental health. So like, we can't just be done with those things and they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So to some degree, like there's a management, there is a, um, like you have to be proactive in ensuring that you are having healthy relationships around food and body image. And we live in a, a society that constantly perpetuates, I mean, you probably see it the most like in the pageant world, like, of uh, there's this image that we have to attain and these ideals that we have to um, achieve and like recognizing that we can have our own individuality in that is... So important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and that I think is, and I
2: love that you say too, your mental health and food and that relationship is so tight in because I can tell you the points where I've seen some of my habits for my eating disorder come back are when my mental health is. Not in a good place, and right. that's where I see those things come back, um, and that's why I've always talked about you know the, for me those two things, I think for a lot of people, um, as a recovery coach, you have been saying it really solidifies it. A lot of people it goes hand in hand, um, mm-hmm. and it's a big piece of both of them, and so. I, that is where I've always been like, you know, this is for me a journey because since it's so tied to my mental health, um, and I know my mental health is always going to be something I have to be very conscious of and aware of. That means that those habits and those, some of those things can come back for me. Um, because if my mental yeah. health is, I'm not taking care of it, that's when I see those, those things come back.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. Definitely. Excellent.
0: Well, as we kind of start to wrap up, we have a couple of fun questions for you. I love it. I love um, fun questions. <laughs> so what would be the most outrageous feature in your dream home? Okay. So I'm going to give two answers
2: because this is not quite as outrageous, but it is a running joke. If you watch Grace Anatomy, you're going to understand. Um <laughs> In Grey's Anatomy, Meredith Grey, the main character, tells her husband that she wants a bathtub that covers her chest and her knees at the same time. My literal biggest dream. As I said, (laughs) I love that. It is something that I tell my husband every single day. I need a bathtub that covers my chest and my knees at the exact same time. (laughs) I love that. So that is just my fun thing. We've been talking about it a lot lately. Yeah. my most outrageous feature in my home. Oh my gosh, there's probably a lot of really ridiculous things I want in my house. Um, but I think probably the most ridiculous, and probably a lot of people want this, is I just want the most outlandish closet, like Princess Diaries S closet. Uh- <laughs> Oh my gosh, if I could have a Princess Diaries esque closet, mm, just, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> but I want the closet that's the size of my living room. It yeah. Has all these cool doors that open up. Oh, I would
1: what I would give for that. <laughs> if somebody could fill that for me, oh, like yeah. I don't like doing the shopping to fill that, but if somebody would fill that for me, then I would I'd be totally True. on board with that.
2: True. I haven't thought about that aspect of it. I also need someone to fill it for me I'm <laughs> yeah. not a big shopper either. So I'm going to need someone to also fill the closet at the same time for me. But, so I need both. I want the closet. And then the person is like, here, I'm going to shop for you and fill it all up for you. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> nice. Okay. Second one. What is the childhood story that most demonstrates who you are as a person?
2: oh so anyone in my life that you talk to that knows me very well will tell you I am fiercely fiercely independent like to an
0: extreme
2: (laughs) um and my parents love telling the story that at about four no it's probably five five ish I walked up to them and I put my hands on my hips and I said mom I need to tell you, I don't think I was born in this family. I think I was um, replaced at birth and I was, I'm supposed to be in New York city and I'm supposed <laughs> to be dancing at Juilliard. <laughs> I <was> like, what? <laughs> and then I just walked away and that was just what I told her and I just that's like hilarious at five that um, oh I was born into the wrong family because I was supposed to be in New York and I was supposed to be dancing at Juilliard and it was her fault that somehow born in a small town in western Nebraska I'd somehow been switched at birth and my family was really in New York and my mom was like uh-huh yep and that's the moment I knew that you were gonna be a lot of work I was like well I think you should have known that a long time before that but that's fair.
1: oh my gosh that's hilarious um, I love that <laughs> but like from early age like you knew who you were you knew <laughs> uh, yes. yep. I knew very yes I knew
2: very quickly exactly who I was so um and it was, a lot of it was fiercely independent so
1: I wow. love that story <laughs> oh. oh goodness well is there anything else Tasha that you would want to share with the community or just any closing thoughts from you before we wrap up today
2: Well, I wanna thank you both for asking me to be a part of this. Um, I love this. I'm a podcast junkie. So I love to be a part of it Um, and love that you guys trusted me and wanted me to be a part of this. You're not special you're not that special. Um, thank you more than anything for what you guys are doing. And um, I think that there are so many people out there that need this and need to hear from the different people and from you guys and from what you're doing to impact the lives you're making and the fact that you're putting something out here like this um, as professionals is just so amazing. So thank you so much for that.
1: Well, we, I mean, totally recognize we are fours on the Enneagram, but we recognize we're not that special that we know everything. So we um, completely appreciate you taking the time to uh, be a part of this and be one of those voices that we have the privilege um, and honor to share with our community and wish you the best of luck in your pageant.
0: Yeah. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Less than a week away today. So awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, um, we will stay tuned and um look forward to seeing how that goes. We'll be following you on your social media. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks
0: so much.